Good morning and welcome to Presbyterian Church. It's a joy to have you with us this morning. I do have some announcements before we begin. We love to welcome visitors, especially first time. Do we have any first time? Please raise your hand. Nope. Okay. If you need it, there's a restroom in the back corner. There are friendship registers on each pew. We would like you to sign so we would know you were here. The nursery is over in the ministry center and welcomes children ages six and under at any time during the service. Please welcome Mark Coker as our guest pianist today. Thank you, Mark. Christmas in July is an opportunity to honor family and friends while supporting some of our church missions. Following worship today and next Sunday, the mission committee will have gift cards for purchase to benefit the Good Samaritan Clinic, the food pantry, Hands of Christ, and Love Him, Love Them. The gift card can then be sent to the individual in whose honor it was purchased. More information will be available at the mission table. The Stitch Sisters will be knitting and crocheting in the church library. Tuesday at 10, all are welcome. This Tuesday also brings a Christian education meeting at 6 in the Fellowship Hall. Please note that this is a change from the originally planned August meeting. The Hands of Christ School Uniform and Supplies Distribution is this Wednesday at 4 at our sister church, Edisto Presbyterian, down on Cypress Bottom Road. We need volunteers. Details are in the flash. If you can help, please contact Pam McElhaney. Now let us attune our hearts to worship as we hear the prelude.
please stand and join me in the call to worship, which is in your bulletin. We gather to hear the Holy One speak. Speak peace to the faithful, those who turn to love in their hearts. Surely wholeness is at hand for those who stand in awe. Let steadfast love and faithfulness meet us today. Let's bow our heads for the opening prayer. Holy mystery, in ancient days you spoke to your prophet Hosea, telling him to give his children names that warned of hard times to come. Even though the people heard, you are not my people, you insisted that they remained your beloved children. When his disciples asked him how to pray, Jesus called them beloved children of God, telling them to ask only for each day's bread. Today we stand in awe, waiting to hear your word, yearning to know that we too are your beloved children. Give us the bread that we need today so that we might feed a world that hungers for wholeness. Amen. Let us remain standing as we sing hymn 263 on your bulletin. may be seated. Friends, the truth about us is this, that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Yet God promises to pour out grace upon grace 
giving us confidence to show ourselves as we are and be freed from shame. Trusting in God's mercy. Let us confess our sins this morning using the responsive prayer of confession printed in your bulletin. Jesus said, when you pray, say, give us each day our daily bread. Yet we hoard our money, our time, and our love, wanting much more than what we need each day. Jesus said, say to your father and mother in heaven, forgive our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Still, we hold grudges, refusing to forgive, even when the debt is paid. Jesus said, say to the Holy One, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Holy mystery, forgive the times we take your name in vain and heal our refusal to live each day in your holy realm. Let us continue to pray in silence. Amen. May we stand together for our assurance of pardon. Hear the good news. If you, who are merely human, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Holy Spirit come to those who ask? In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. May be seated. Please bow for the prayer of illumination. God of wisdom, you promise to give your spirit to those who ask. Overwhelm us with your word that we may see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Old Testament reading today is from Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. 
When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take for yourself a wife of prostitution and have children of prostitution, for the land commits great prostitution by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, daughter of Deblain, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel to the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. Then the Lord said to him, Name her Lorimahah, for I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel or forgive them. But I will have pity on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned Larumahah, she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said, Name him Loami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the people of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which can be neither measured nor numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to invite any children to come forward this morning. Good morning. <laughs> so I think the, what I'm going to share with you seems a little appropriate because you guys seem a little sleepy. Um, when I was your age, maybe even younger, I learned to say a prayer. And I used to say it every night before I would go to sleep. And it went like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul to take. And I did that every single night before I would go to bed. Now, do you know other prayers? Are there other times during the day or during the week that you guys say prayers that you know? Do you guys have a special prayer that you say at bedtime? Or what other times do you pray? Before you eat, yeah, you have a blessing. Is there a special one that you do or do you just... Say whatever. Just say whatever. Does anyone else have a... Raise your hand if you have a special prayer that you say before you eat. A couple people? Yeah. So, um, I was... It got me thinking today, when you go back to your seat and listen to the New Testament scripture, I'm going to read from the Gospel of Luke a special prayer that Jesus taught. And I know that you guys know it because I know you talked about it in Sunday school today. What is that special prayer? The Lord's Prayer, right? So Jesus taught his disciples that they can pray in a special way together. And he said, you can do it any time, really. He didn't specify that you have to do it before you go to sleep or before you eat or at any other point. He said, when you pray, pray this way. And he taught them the words to the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to say those in a little bit. But I, it got me thinking and questioning, why would we pray? What's the point? And I thought about that a little bit, and it got me thinking about some of my friends. If I had a friend, 
And I never called that friend or I never sent them an email or I never made it a point to talk to that friend. Do you think that friend would stay my friend for very long? Why not? <laughs> that wouldn't be much of a friendship, wouldn't it? If I didn't communicate with that person, if I didn't call them or talk to them or tell them how much I enjoy their friendship or how much I love them. And prayer kind of works in the same way. It's our opportunity to be in communication with God, to talk to God and to tell God how much we love God and how much we appreciate having God in our lives. And there are times when we sit down and we can talk to God and the words just spill out of us, right? We can just, you know, oh God, this is what's going on in life. And boy, you know, my sister's really making me really angry today. I need some help um, keeping my temper down. So we can talk to God about all kinds of things. But there are other times when maybe we feel a little lost or lonely or sad and we really don't know what to say. But Jesus says you can always use this prayer that I taught you, the Lord's Prayer. So if you ever get to a place and you need to talk to God or you'd like to talk to God, you can always remember to say the Lord's Prayer. And remember that if we go a long time without saying prayers to God, God won't forget us. But that's not what a good friend would do, right? You wouldn't go a long time and just not talk to a friend. So let's remember to say our prayers, whether it's before bed or before meals or the Lord's Prayer or any other time so that we can communicate with God, okay? Let's have a prayer. Lord, thank you for teaching us to pray and helping us to understand that when we pray to you, we not only give you honor, but we are reminded that you are our good friend and you desire to be in relationship with us. We love you. Amen. Thank you very much. Now listen for the New Testament lesson as we're just getting ready to lead it, read it as you return to your pew. The New Testament lesson, as promised, comes from the Gospel according to Luke, reading from the beginning of chapter 11. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, May your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him 
whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asked for a fish, would give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asked for an egg, would you give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you alone who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are times when it may seem that God has turned away from us. Have there ever been moments or times that you felt rejected or unloved? Or maybe times when you've had more questions in your heart yearning to know why? Why, God? Did Jesus, too, not cry out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, there might be times in our lives when it feels like God has abandoned us, left us to figure out this mess that we call life on our own. There are times reflecting on our own living or behavior that Maybe we feel unworthy of even receiving God's love. The prophet Hosea describes such a time. He uses a marvelous figure of speech. And believe me, I read several translations to find the words that would be most suitable for both young and old ears in this text. Go home and look in your Bible, see what it says. Hosea describes a time when the people of Israel will feel like they are no longer God's people. But the truth couldn't be further away. Because God's love is with us always, no matter what. For we are the beloved children of God. Now, I've always been a bit fascinated by this book, the prophet Hosea's writing in our Bible. It's an interesting bird, to say the least. Has anyone read or studied Hosea before? Not too many. So Hosea, the prophet, is speaking to the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, it's the one that broke away from the southern kingdom of Judah broke away to follow their own king and not the king that was through the lineage of David. This northern kingdom is the one that reestablished the house and worship of God outside of Jerusalem. This is the kingdom who during the life of Hosea made precarious alliances, especially with Syria 
to retain their own power in the midst of the rise of other superpowers of their time. If we know our biblical history, we remember that Assyria is coming, and indeed they will overthrow this kingdom Israel and send her people into exile. But at this point in, his, in, in, in Israel, as Hosea is prophesying, Israel got into bed, as they say, with Syria. They made an alliance that directly resulted in two circumstances that Hosea identifies and elaborates on in this prophecy. First, he says that becoming intimate with Syria meant inviting her gods into the house too, namely the god of Baal, whom many at the time in the Middle East worshipped. Baal was an attractive god, a god of fertility. Hosea describes Israel becoming quickly a place of religious pluralism. If you don't like what one God was offering, just pick another. If Yahweh wanted too much, if the rules were too hard to follow, try Baal or one of the lesser Canaanite gods. You might find an easier and certainly maybe a more appealing way forward. Maybe with this mindset, you can now begin to see the reasoning of the vivid language that Hosea uses. Second, this alliance created fractures in the royal politics of Israel. Power plays lead to internal instability, a series of assassinations, and further reliance on outside or foreign powers to keep their king in place. If you don't believe the Bible is full of intrigue and scandal, just read Hosea. Now, by the time of its fall in 720 BC, Israel was already by then widely known as a puppet government for Syria. A pawn used in Syria's power play against Assyria. And ultimately, Israel paid the price, for their people were carried off after Samaria fell. They were carried off to exile. Now, this is the context in which Hosea makes his prophecy that we began to read today. Israel has not yet fallen, but that writing is on the wall. People, the people there have not remained faithful to Yahweh. They have been wooed by Baal and the other gods. They have not put their trust and loyalty in God's protection, but have allied with others who promised them safety and security and stability. And now, in the words of preacher Will Williman, Hosea intrudes, he says, with a pushy, challenging, perhaps even offensive metaphor for our relationship with God. Israel stands before God as an adulterous spouse standing before her long-suffering, loving, faithful spouse. And this loving spouse does not stand before Israel to punish or to cast out or to denounce, but to passionately plead. Read the passage again. There's some heated name-calling. There are hurt feelings and anguish, and the emotional temperature is turned up to extra high. 
Yes, it becomes a bit harsh, and it feels like, it certainly sounds like, that the faithful spouse here has had enough, has had every reason to walk away from the relationship. There are numerous occasions, specifically in the Old Testament, where God is described or even self-proclaimed as a jealous God. Again, Willeman said, God is passionately committed to Israel. All that this God is has been invested in this people and in their well-being. God has delivered Israel. God has taken sides with Israel, even given Israel a good and bounteous land invested heavily in this people. So much is at stake in Israel's life before God. Israel's religious wandering is therefore rather offensively labeled as adultery. And conversation between God and Israel becomes heated and acrimonious and fierce because God is so completely committed to Israel that God takes it personally. God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God, and God wants our loyalty. God wants our love, and God is willing to become passionate on our behalf. Here in these names that Rebecca did a beautiful job reading, God is pleading with us, showing us that if we walk away from this relationship, we are destined for death like in Jezreel. We are without compassion because no God will show pity on us like Yahweh. And the final blow, if we walk away, we are a people without identity. For who are we if we are not God's people? Now, this prophecy, I think, often gets pushed to the back burner we don't really like the imagery that's used. And many of us will say today, well, this is archaic. It doesn't really meet or match our current, current situation. It's meant for a people a long time ago and not us. But friends, I would challenge that thought because the people of Israel, notwithstanding any of their behavior or practices, it says that they felt like God had abandoned them. They faced imminent death at the hands of the superpowers with whom they had precariously aligned. Remember Jezreel? They struggled with thoughts that there was no one, no one, who pitied them or their plight. Lo, Rahama. They felt lost, not knowing any longer who they were or what they stood for. Lo, Ami. Are there not times when we feel exactly the same ourselves? Do we align ourselves with that which we believe will keep us safe and secure, only to find that trust broken time and time again? Do we grow in self-pity because certainly no one else can understand our trouble or our experience? And don't we forget who we are? 
even though we are intimately connected to the most faithful, most passionate, loving God, we find ourselves lonely, scared, feeling unloved, or even abandoned. Maybe our living hasn't been in step with that of the ancient Israelites, but maybe it has. Either way, I bet you at some time we've all felt one of these things before. And just when it seems like things can't get any worse, when the prophecy takes a nosedive, we get this reprieve. Though we may experience being Jezreel, lo Rahama, or lo Ami, as Rebecca also read, God declares, yet, yet, the number of the people of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which can neither be measured nor numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. When we feel lost, do we not have a God and a Savior who, like a faithful shepherd, will search tirelessly even for that one missing sheep, not giving up on the lamb until it's found. When we walk away or fall into desolate living like the prodigal son, is God our Savior not waiting for us like the loving Father, ready to put that signet ring back on our finger when we return home so that we and all may know whose family we belong to? And from our gospel reading today, when we feel like we're given only the worst this world has to offer, a snake, when we just need a bit of nourishing bread, will God, our Savior, hear our petition, our asking, our seeking, our knocking, and like a good parent, provide for us, maybe not always what we want, but certainly what we need. No matter what we have done, how long we have turned away, and whether we've aligned ourselves with others in place of God or just plain don't feel worthy, God says again and again, always, no matter what, you are my beloved children. We are the children of the living God. So again, today, as we heard in the opening prayer, we stand in awe, waiting to hear God's word, yearning to know that we are beloved children. And when life piles its worst at our feet, that voice is still proclaiming quietly and sometimes at a shout, always, always, no matter what. You are my beloved children. Therefore, even in this despondent time that we find ourselves in, we can be bold. We can ask for our needs to be met. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. We can ask for God's strength to bring us through our waywardness and out of our adulterous behavior. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us. 
And we can pray that we don't experience these low times again, but instead rest firmly in the strength of the Lord. And do not bring us to a time of trial. And we can remember that if we who are merely human give our children the food that they need, how much more will the Holy Spirit give those who are beloved by God? May it be so. Amen. May we stand now together as we declare what it is that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. May we join our hearts together in conversation with God. Let us pray. Great God, in you is more love than we can imagine and more grace than we can fathom. You have shown yourself and Jesus Christ as a God who meets us where we are and who loves us as we are. We are glad for this day and grateful for your many gifts. You bring good things into our lives, more than we can name and more than we can number. You give us the bread of life, sustaining our souls and feeding our deepest hungers. You accompany us on our way, and we thank you for your abundant faithfulness. But our hearts are full with many things today. Disease and death and pain and sorrow are constantly among us. The journey through our days is marked by uncertainty and heartache. We are frequently overwhelmed by the needs around us and within us. Some need healing, some need encouragement, others need comfort and some need assurance, and Lord, we all need hope. So we turn to you asking you to hear our prayers and grant what we need for the living of these days. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for renewed commitments to our common life. We pray that you would refresh us in the values of your heart justice and righteousness and compassion and mercy and peace. Help us to find a unity of purpose as citizens, as neighbors. We pray for your church in places near and far. May the waters of your grace continually refresh and empower us to extend the love of Jesus to all people 
We pray for the PCUSA and for the clarity of our witness and the success of our mission. We pray for this congregation, for our life together, and for our efforts to follow in the way of Jesus. Hear us, Lord. Hold us, heal us, and help us. For the sake of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we wait for the coming of God's reign, we answer his invitation to take part in God's work now. As we bring forward our tithes and our offering in joyful gratitude, may we proclaim in our hearts and in our lives that Jesus is Lord. We receive our morning's offering.
Let us pray. Generous giver, having received so much from you, we offer our tithes and offerings into your hands that they may bring hope and gladness to this hurting world. We pray this in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn today is number 333, also found in your bulletin, let us sing once again to the glory of God, seek ye first. Friends, as you have received Christ Jesus, continue to live your lives in him. Remain rooted and built up in him, abounding in thanksgiving and established in true faith, just as you were taught, forgiven, loved, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us go forth into the world, serving in his name. Amen.